It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. And he died for you. We're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. Find your copy of the words of God and turn with me to Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. We're going to read a few verses out of Romans chapter 11 and then we're going to go into Romans chapter 12 for a few verses. We have some thoughts for you. I have a little silly kind of illustration for you. And we have a song for you. I don't know if we'll get all that done. But that's what we're going to, that's, that's where we're going. Okay? Romans chapter 11. Let's begin reading in verse 33. <clears throat> oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again? For of him, and through him, and to him are all things. To whom be glory forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Those, those extra evers are, I, I put those in there. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable, logical, rational service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove, that you might test, that you might experience that good, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, the Father's work. For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is, is among you, catch it now, not to think, but to think. Not to think, but to think. Not to think, of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man measure of faith. Pray with me, will you? Father, thank you so much for the words of God, your word, that we can rest in, that we can hope in, that we can have faith in, that teaches us how to love the way you loved us. We thank you so much for lifting us up when we didn't deserve to be lifted up. We thank you so much for Jesus, 
our mighty Lord, our mighty Savior, our mighty King. And we praise you today. And I pray that you would that, that you would be magnified today, that we would see you as you are. And that in you we will find hope and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. I pray that you'd steal my emotions, help me to speak, speak quickly and clearly and simply and concisely so that we might understand and help us to think. Help us to think rightly. In Jesus, your great and mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So, welcome back. How has that, uh, how is that practicing paristemi, how is that working for you? Have you been practicing presenting yourself to the Lord? Okay? That's what we've been talking about in our time together. The life skill of paristemi. It's a skill that Jesus demonstrated even going all the way back to when he was 12 years old, he said, Wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? And from a very early age, he began presenting himself to the father in order to life out, the, to speak the father's words and life out the father's work. Presenting ourselves to the Lord. Have you begun practicing that? It is a life skill that we need to work at. And the longer we work at it, the longer we practice it, in the by and by, it will become as natural as walking. Amen. Okay? God says, be filled with the Spirit. This, this, is, this, is the, this is the launch pad. Here's where we start. We present ourselves to the Lord, and when you present yourself to Him, you are stepping into His presence. You can't present yourself just to an idea. You can't present yourself just to a concept. You can't present yourself to a church or a creed. You present yourself to a person, and that person is God himself, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when you do, you step into his presence. So we're practicing that. We're, we're, it, paristemi is the English transliteration of the Greek word to present. I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God, that ye present so it's to present or to yield. You see the same word in Romans chapter 6, to yield. It means to stand by someone, to show yourself to someone. Okay? So present. Romans 11.36 says, For of him... And through him, and to him are all things to whom be glory forever and ever. It is my highest honor, my greatest privilege, my extreme joy to declare unto you, brothers and sisters, this morning, that by the authority of the word of God, that all things are of him. Amen. Yehovah, Yeshua, 
our deliverer, our savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. All things are of him. I don't know where life has you today. I don't know if you've come in here this morning with a heavy heart. I don't know if you've come in here this morning with a sad heart, a sorrowful heart, an anxious heart, a worrisome heart, a heart full of joy and praise unto God. But I declare unto you by the authority of the word of God that all things are of Jesus Christ. He is the answer. I don't know what the answer to your problem is, but I know who the answer to your problem is. You see, I'm full of joy this morning because I know something. I know him. I don't just know about him. I, just, I don't just know things about him. He has blessed me with himself. I know him. I know something. Do you? It begins with faith in Jesus and what he's done for us. To translate us into his kingdom, into his family, into him. And then all things are of him and all things are through him and all things are to him. Everything coming from him, through him, and back to him. You see that? Boy, we could just hang out here all morning, couldn't we? We could just go across this room and just start giving testimony of, of him and through him and to him and praise the Lord. Why don't we just do that? <laughs> That'd be all right. Isn't that wonderful? And I hope, I hope, my hope this morning is that you will get a sense of that. That you will see that with your eyes of faith. That you will hear his voice with your ears of faith. That you will taste and see that the Lord is good. That you will experience him. Him. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever and ever. All right. Let's get into our lesson, and I'm going to try to move very quickly. The Apostle Paul is an expert at using connecting words and transition words. He is connecting thoughts and ideas using transition words and connecting words to pivot or change direction. Okay? I beseech you, look at your Bible at, at Romans 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, because all things are of him and through him and to him, I beseech you, therefore, I beg you, I plead with you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So he is transitioning now. He's going to pivot. You ever seen a basketball player? 
he's dribbling the ball and he's moving like this, okay, and he's going in this direction, and then all of a sudden he will pivot, okay, and now he's going in another direction. Well, that's what the Apostle Paul's doing. He's transitioning here, he's pivoting. The first pivot, therefore, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, that's a transition or a pivot from our position in Jesus Christ, our position in God, to practice. Okay? He says, I beseech you therefore, because all of these things in Romans, are, Romans 1 through 11 are true, because that is your position, now I want you to practice. Okay? You see that? See the pivot? And we talked about that last time we were together. Look at the next one. And, and be not conformed to this word, world. The pivot is from our vertical relationship, okay, up to this point, the emphasis, the emphasis has been our relationship to God, right? Now he says, and be not conformed to this world, so he's pivoting from our vertical relationship to our horizontal. Now he's going to start talking about this relationship. He's been talking about this one, our relationship with God. Now he's going to talk about our relationship with the world. Okay, so he's pivoting. And be not conformed to this world. But, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now he's pivoting from confirmation with the world to transformation with him. Confirmation with the world to transformation with him. You see that there? Then he says, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that, here's another pivot, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The pivot is from transformation to disposition. The transformation is going to transform my disposition in order that I might do the Father's work. That I might prove, that I might experience what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So our focus this morning is on this phrase, and be not conformed to this world. We're pivoting from our vertical relationship with God to our horizontal relationship with the world. Every person here has a relationship with God. Every one of you. According to the authority of the Word of God, everyone here has a relationship with God. You are either dead to God or you are alive to God. Which are you? Are you dead to Him or are you alive to Him? If you are alive to God, you have the privilege of presenting yourself to Him and enjoying His presence. If you are dead to him, you do not have that privilege. If you are alive to him, if you've been quickened in him, you have the privilege of presenting yourself to him and enjoying his presence. Now the Holy Spirit is directing our attention to our horizontal relationships with the world. This is the life that Jesus demonstrated for us. Okay? Jesus came to earth and he demonstrated this life uh, a life filled with the Father's work. 
and be not conformed. Look at the word conformed. And be not conformed to this world. To conform oneself means to fashion yourself after another's pattern. To make yourself like someone else. That's what being conformed means. Even the scriptures talk about being conformed to Jesus Christ. Being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Fashioning ourselves after Him. He's, he's saying, be not conformed. Do not make yourself like someone else. In this context, it carries with it the idea of thinking like someone else thinks. And my challenge to you today is this, this and be not conformed to this world is a huge subject. It's very broad, okay? And, and what I'm presenting to you today is very, very basic. But my prayer and my hope is, is that I can, I can challenge you to think about this. I want you to think not only about what you think, but I want you to think about how you think. The way you think. It's critically important. To be conformed means I'm thinking the way someone else thinks. You see that? I get that phrase from, I, I get that idea from the next phrase that says, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we can't focus on that today. I want to focus on and being not conformed, but it carries with it the idea of not thinking the way the world thinks. It's very important. And be not conformed is not a list of do's and don'ts, necessarily. However important those do's and don'ts might be. I'm not saying we shouldn't have do's and don'ts, right? We look at the world and we say, I ain't doing that, right? That's important. But in this context, it's, it's more about the way we think. We accept or reject certain behaviors because of what we think and how we think about them. Okay, so be, let's be thinking people. Think with me here. You consume entertainment based on what and how you think about entertainment. See that? The choices you make. The choices you make in music. The music that you consume, you consume because of the way you think about it. Dress, even the churches you choose to attend. You're attending them because of the way you think about them, what you think about it, and how you think about it. See what I'm saying? Let's move on. And be not conformed, look at the phrase, to this world. All right? Now, you look in your Bible, just in the Gospel of John alone, there are dozens and dozens of verses that talk about the world. You could do a word study on the world and you would be greatly blessed by it because there are many, many, many verses that talk about this phrase, the world, okay? John 1.10 says, He, Jesus, was in the world and the world was made by Him and the world knew Him not. So we're talking about a world that knows Him not. Okay? That's the world we're talking about in this context. 
John 3, 16 and 17 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. The, the, the word world there in those verses have the idea of the collective humanity. Okay? The word world in our verse this morning has more to do with this age, with this time, the world, this age, this time. So what is the age, this time that he means here? It is the age, the time of the, the, the fallen world of humanity. Okay? And that age began with Adam, right? The fallen world, the fallen age. That's the world he's speaking of. So, what are some of the things the Bible says about the world? 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto him. The God of this world, the, this world has a God. You see that? The God of this world. This world has a God. And this God has developed a system. Ephesians 2, 1 and 2 says, And you hath he quickened, you hath he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. There it is, that's the system, the course. According to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, there's the God, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Okay? Now, I've got a silly illustration for you. I brought, uh, I wouldn't actually call these, uh, call these helpers my friends. The God of this world. Okay? Come here. Ah. Behave yourself. You're in a Baptist church. Settle down there. Well, he's kind of gruesome looking, isn't he? The God of this world. We're going to let silly serpent here, we're going to let him represent the devil. That serpent, that old devil. The God of this world. I think most of you can see it, can't you? Okay. The God of this world has a course, he has a system that he has developed. This is the system that you and I were born into. It's also revealed in the Bible as being in Adam, in the world system. We are born in Adam. Everyone here was born in Adam. You see that? Grandpa Adam. 1 Corinthians 15, 22 says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. So everyone is born in Adam. Now, 1 John 2, 15 and 16, 
Ethan, you want to go to the next slide there? We'll put that up on the screen. It says this, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I think the reference to Father in these verses is very, very interesting. The love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So we have another contrast or comparison to help us shape our illustration here. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life over against the love of the Father. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life over against the love of the Father. They're, they're contrasting ideas, right? Are you ready? All right. This is your big debut. Comb your hair. Okay. I call this little feller here of old fuzzy nose. And we're going to let him sit right here. This, this that you're looking at is a product of that. See that? The lust of the flesh. Okay. We'll call, a, we'll call this little guy right here, we'll call him the lust of the flesh. Okay? The lust of the flesh, that's what I desire to do. Okay? The desires of my humanity. The desires of the flesh. That's, this is what I want to do, to experience. This is what I want to see, what I want to hear, what I want to taste what I want to smell and touch and feel. This, the desires of our humanity, the desires of the flesh, okay? Now, this is important to understand. Who created the world? God, Jesus Christ, specifically, the scripture says, all things were created by him, and by him all things consist, right? So how is it that my desires in my humanity are now somehow all of a sudden really bad. How does that happen? Well, the serpent, the devil, Satan, he is not a creator. He is not a co-equal with Jesus Christ. No way. The Bible doesn't teach that. Walt Disney teaches that. And sometimes Walt Disney exalts the serpent over Jesus Christ. But the Bible doesn't teach that. The serpent is not a creator. Okay? But what he is, is he is a perverter. He creates perversion. He takes what God has created for good and he perverts it. He turns it to evil. You see that? That's what happened in the garden. So, these desires, the perverted desires we're talking about, the lusts of the flesh, the perverted desires, what I want to experience, is the world system seeking to fulfill all those desires in the wrong way. That's what the desires of the flesh is. Okay, we got to move on. And the lust of the eyes... So we got the lust of the flesh, 
And we'll let this old hippo here, is that a hippo? I think it is. Maybe you can figure out what they are, Pam. I think this is a monkey, but I'm not sure. He's got kind of a weird tail back here. Anyway, the lust of the eyes. Okay, what, are, what is the lust of the eyes? The lust of the eyes is that's what I want. The lust of the flesh is what I want to experience, what I want to do. The lust of the eyes is that's what I want. That's what I want to own. Wealth, power, position, stuff. I want houses and lands and barns and wealth and gold and silver and power and prestige. Okay? That's what I want. You see what he's doing? You see what the God of this world is doing? He's setting up this, this, this course, this system. The pride of life. Okay, that's the big guy here. This is the guy in the middle. It's a biggie. The pride of life. The pride of life is what I want to be. So the lust of the flesh is what I want to do. The lust of the eyes is what I want to have. The pride of life is who I want to be, what I want to be, okay? What I want to identify as. My position, my popularity. Am I worthy of praise and admiration? Okay? You see where that comes from? It comes from the pit. It comes from this guy. The pride of life, right? I want to be attractive. I want to be the center of attention. I want to be the person that everyone wants to be. The pride of life. Okay? Let's move on. Does that ever sound selfish or self-centered or what? Follow me now? So the center of this course is self, selfishness. And these are the spirits that are working in the children of iniquity. At the center of God's kingdom is who? Come on now. The center of God's kingdom is who? God. God Jesus Christ specifically, right? He is the center at the center of Satan's kingdom, the kingdom of darkness, is self. This is the world of me, myself, and I. Satan is a tyrannical dictator, and this is his regime. This is his course. The world system is very complex, but we might be able to illustrate it this way. This is a simple, basic illustration to, just to help us think, to get an idea, okay? All right. I need three boys that are 12 years old. Jesus was 12 when he was found in the temple, and he said, Wished ye not that I be about my father's business, right? Okay, so come on. I need three 12-year-old boys. Let's go. Come on. Come on. All you got to do is stand up here and hold something. That's all you got to do. We don't have any other 12-year-old boys? All right, 11. How about 11? All right, come on, buddy. I need one of you on this side and one of you on this side. Okay, I need one more. Any more 11-year-olds? 
All right, how about a 10-year-old? You got a 10-year-old boy? Uh, I guess we got to go the other way. How about 13? You got a 13-year-old? 14? <laughs> okay. All right, good. Come on, buddy. All you have to do is stand up here. It's, it's not a big deal. Right? Okay. So here's, here's a simple illustration. We're going to use our creative imaginations, and we're going to play like this is a road. Okay? And this road run, goes that way to the right, and it goes that way to the left. And uh, there, are, there are houses on this road. And we're going to have, on this road, is the way you're looking at it, is you'll see the far right of the road, and you'll see the far left of the road. Okay? Now, we've got a couple more helpers in here. A few more, anyway. Let's do this. This, these two fellers, this is popularity. These are cousins to these guys, right? It's this here, this is popularity. One of the, one of the devil's devices, okay? So we're going to let you hold popularity, and we're going to bring you over here to the left. And you can just hang out right here. You don't have to go too far, all right? Now, don't get too comfortable with him. He's bad news, all right? And this here, this is peer pressure, right? And we're going to have you come on over here and just stand right here. And you can hang on to peer pressure. Now, just step back just a second here. It's been a while since I've done this, but I think we can figure it out. Now, pop popularity and peer pressure, they're not excluded just to the right or the left. They work their way all up and down this road. Okay? But they're just going to hang on to them for now. Uh, you see, because over here on the right, um, this is, the, uh, this is the radical, religious, legalistic right. These are the radicals. Okay, if you think about, you think about politics or, or maybe some religions, okay, you have, the, you have the hard right, radical conservatives, right? The legalists. They, they have lists of more do's and don'ts than you can imagine. All right? And they're, they're really big on peer pressure. See? They say, if you, if you will conform to our lists and our do's and don'ts and the way we do things, then you can be part of us. Right? So you got, you got the far right. I got to hurry. Over here, you got the far left. So we're moving, we're moving from the legalist to the, the more conservative houses. And we're going to move on to maybe a middle of the road house. And we're going to, now we're going to start moving left. And we're going to start getting liberal. And we're going to get loose. And we're going to come this direction. And boy, this guy over here, this is, this is licentiousness. This is anything goes. Right? There are no rules here. You just come on and do whatever you want to do. You are your own guy. And you can be popular you can be popular with us if you do what we do. Okay? So there's a lot of peer pressure here, too. And all along the road, you got popularity and peer pressure, the far right and the way they behave, and the far left and the way they behave. 
And depending on which house you land in is determined by what you think about, how you think about the right and the left. See that? So that's the idea. Ultimately, it matters not where you are on the road. Which house you've determined to live in, the road you are living on, this road, this is the road of rebellion. That's what we call it. It's the road that is against God. Okay? Now, Elijah. Got one more in here. Ooh, this is one mean critter. He's little, but he's one of the worst of all. He's their, one of their prodigy. You hang on to him. Don't hold him too tight. This little guy, this little guy is pleasure. Pleasure. Performance-based self-acceptance. Okay? Uh, he is perfectionism. Perfectionism. If I behave in a certain way, then I can accept myself. I will feel good about myself. So depending on how I think about that, I could be a super performer or I could be a really bad performer. But regardless of what I think about perfectionism, that monkey is on my back. You see that? Pleasure. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang out in the house that pleases me the most. That's where I'm going to hang out. I may have grown up over here. And the day comes, I grow up a little bit, and I think, man, I just, that's looking pretty good over there. And I'm going to move this way, and I'm going to have me some pleasure. Right? And then the peer pressure over there, he picks up. And he says, hey, you need to get back over here and live our list. And says, oh, man, I'll repent. I'll come over here. And I'm going to live over here. All right? And you can spend your whole life walking back and forth, depending on what area of your life you want. You know what? I don't want to dress as conservatively as he does, so I'm going to take a step this way, and I'm going to dress a little looser like he does. Well, you know what? That's not a good idea, so I'm going to dress up a little bit, and I'm going to come back over here. And we do that our entire lives. That's the world system. All right. Now, one day, step up here just a second. One day, this little boy's conscience starts to bother him. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And God puts a, a man of God in his life. And he hears the word of God, and the Holy Spirit bears witness with his spirit that what he's hearing is true, and asks him to make a moral decision. Will I receive the rescue or not? Okay? And he says, he says man, I've been struggling. I've been looking at this guy and thinking, man, there ain't no way I'm going to do that. And I've been looking at this guy. And there ain't no way I'm going to do that. And this just doesn't work. I am not happy. And I'm a sinner. And Jesus came to rescue me 
from this. Okay? So, you receive the Lord, and you are now born again. Right? For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. He receives Jesus, and he is now born again. But here's what we do. He knows that he's been saved. Right? So, let's say he got saved out of this. He was over here. He gets saved, and he's looking at this, and he's saying, man, i got to stop living like this. I can't do this anymore. So, he, he said, man, i got to get over here, because this is more conservative. i got to clean myself up. So, he moves this way. And the closer he gets to this, the more he realizes, man, that's not right. So what's he do? He takes a step back this way. And that doesn't feel quite right, so he steps back this way. And he, he, he starts doing the same thing all over again. Back and forth, back and forth. And one day he says, well, you know what? The answer, this must be the answer right here. This must be it right here. I'm right in the middle. But even the problem with this is there's always someone that's going to be more conservative than you. And there's always going to be someone who is more liberal than you. It doesn't matter where you're at on this road. Right? So what's the problem? He's born again. He's saved. What's the problem? I'll get back to my notes because I don't want to get lost. The problem is, is he's continuing to conform to the world system. Do you see why the Holy Spirit is saying, present yourself and be not conformed to this world? There's something he wants us to know. He wants you to know that you're no longer part of this world. You don't have to conform to it anymore. Right? You see that? Listen to this verse. Colossians 1, 12 through 13. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us fitting to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who the Father hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and the Father hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. The word translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son means to transpose, transfer, remove from one place to another. You see that? The Father, when you received Jesus as your Savior, He translated you out of this kingdom into the kingdom of His dear Son. You no longer live down here. You see that? This is supposed to be a lion. I don't think it looks much like a lion, but it's supposed to be. You've got to put him down. You don't want to take him with you. Okay? You take him, and let's go higher. Let's go higher to a higher road. Stand right here. This road is higher than that road. See that? We use the platform there. 
the kingdom of his dear son. Isaiah 57, 15 says this, listen, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place. Where does God dwell? Does he dwell down here or does he dwell up here? Up here. I dwell in the high and holy place. Ethan, give me the next slide, will you? The high and holy place is the place of Jehovah, Yahshua, Jesus, our deliverer, our savior and friend. It's a different road. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive, to quicken the spirit of the humble and to revive or quicken the heart of the contrite ones. This road, this higher road is characterized by many things in the Bible. It is completely contrary and opposite to this road. It's a higher road. 1 Corinthians 13 says, And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity, love. Faith, hope, and love. That's, that's what characterizes the higher road. If you're going to present yourself to God, you must access Him there. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, for of Him, through Him, and to Him are all things by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Listen, if you are a Christian, God doesn't live with you down here. God doesn't live with you down here. He does not dwell the course of, within the course of this world. Are you seeing it? Okay. He brings you up to Him. I dwell in the high and holy place and with Him who is of, of a contrite and humble spirit. He translates you to Him. He doesn't come down to you. First Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also hath suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. That he might bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh and quickened by the Spirit. Jesus Christ is the center of the kingdom of his dear son. It is the kingdom of Jesus Christ. The kingdom of his dear son. This is a completely different road. It is not of right or left, not the road of self, selfishness, not the road of rebellion and me, myself, and I. It's not the road of pleasure and performance-based acceptance or perfection. It's not the road of peer pressure and popularity. The name of this road is holiness. Holiness. 1 Peter 1.15 says, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Listen. Hear me now. Listen. Separation 
or being set apart is the mercy of God. It is the grace of God. It is a gift of grace that sets me free from the world's system in order to do and enjoy the Father's work. See that? But we have swallowed the lie that holiness is not possible. And so we buy into the systems of pseudo or fake holiness in the world system. We have fallen into the trap of thinking we need to be like the world in order to do the Father's work. And that is what is driving the liberal church in this country. We have fallen into the trap of believing that holiness isn't possible. We have a wrong thinking, a wrong idea about what holiness is. So we think we need the world's devices in order to do the Father's work. You see how contrary that is? The answer is not a balance between the culture of this world and the culture of the religious elite. The answer is genuine Christianity. It is the genuine gospel. It is all inerrant in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the letter to the Romans. We do not see the world as our enemy. You see that? The world is your enemy. It's not your friend. This is the enemy of Jesus. This is the enemy that Jesus has rescued us from. His banner over me is love. The world's banner over me is hate and bondage and destruction. The world system is contrary to and, and competes with the kingdom of heaven. It is contrary to Jesus. When I pariste me, when I present myself to the Lord, when I step into his presence, I am sanctifying or separating myself unto him. The result is freedom to love him, to love others, and to enjoy a disposition of freedom from the world and its bondage. Freedom to be about the Father's work. So very quickly as I close. So what is holiness? If holiness is possible, if it's possible for me to live on that road, what is it? I'm going to suggest something to you very quickly. I'd like for you to turn in your Bible to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, put your finger on verse 29, and then put your finger there, and then turn over to John 13, 34. John 13, 34. In Mark 12, 29, Jesus said, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Listen now. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. One of the many things that Jesus came to accomplish when he walked on planet earth was to clarify the righteousness of the law. He did a lot of that in his ministry. This is one of those places. He's clarifying the righteousness of the law. He says the greatest of all the commandments is love God 
and love your neighbor as yourself. You see that? Now flip over to John 13, 34. Jesus is in the upper room. He's had the Last Supper. He's declared the new covenant. And he says, a new commandment I give you, that ye love one another as I have loved you. that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Now, on the surface, that doesn't look much different to me. So what's new about it? Jesus said in Mark 12, he said, love your neighbor as yourself. So is he just repeating that? No, he says this is a new commandment. Well, what's new about it? We'll look at it again. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you. As I have loved you. There are things Christians don't do. I think we look at the world and ask the wrong questions. Is that entertainment, music, dress, activity, is that right or wrong? Instead of asking, is it wise or foolish? What effect will that have on my relationships? My relationship with the Lord and my relationship with others. Holiness, the new commandment, Loving others as I have loved you. I'm suggesting to you that that is holiness. Can you do that? Can you love someone like Jesus has loved us? The Father has loved us through Jesus. Jesus said, if I go to my Father, you will do my Father's works. You suppose the Father's work is for you and I to love someone else the way Jesus has loved us? You think you, think you could love your mother, boys? You think you could love your mother the way Jesus has loved you? Think he could do that? What did he do? He just gave us everything. He just gave himself up. Jesus gave up everything that we might have everything. Boys, listen to me. You, you take care of your mother, boys. Just like the Father has taken care of you through Jesus. You let the Father take care of your mother through you. You love your mother like Jesus loved you. Just give her everything. Just take care of her. You, you think you could do that? That's holiness. I think I could do that. I might have to come to the end of myself to do it. But it's worth thinking about, isn't it? Do you see how thinking this way 
and thinking this way is completely different. It's, it's like a different planet. You've been translated off of this planet and, and ejected to another planet. I'm seated in heavenly places with Christ, Ephesians 2, right? It's a completely different way of thinking. Well, you say, well, Uncle Bob, how does that happen? But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's how it happens. And we'll talk about that when we get together again next time. Right? And be not conformed to this world. Let's pray. Father, thank you. I hope it is my prayer that as I fumbled through this that it resonated with some of my brothers and sisters and, and our kiddos and that you will use it to help us think and think rightly about things. We love you so much. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.